Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today's business is the business of teaching the fundamentals of a game that's been around for centuries, the game of golf, and helping experienced players as well as novices to improve their game with the services of a trained professional who can analyze one's swing, uh, analyze their overall biomechanics, uh, tweak those mechanics to strike the ball, to have a swing that's more effective, to help you achieve more uh, distance and better direction, and to offer insight into what it takes to improve one's game, I'm pleased to have as my guest John Marshall of John Marshall Golf, a member of this prestigious Golf Channel swing team, uh, along with uh, numerous other creden- credentials, which we'll get into a little later in the program. But welcome to the program. Welcome to the Business Hour. John, I appreciate you've taken time to join us. Uh, Ron, it's great to be here, and uh, you and I go back quite a few years, but we hadn't seen each other in a long time, and then mysteriously reconnected the other day, and it was it was great. Well, I, I, I really uh, am glad that we uh, ran into each other, um, because catching up with you, I've learned that uh, you have focused on being a golf instructor at a, at, a, at a very high level is something that I was not aware of, even when I first met you some 30 years back. It was in the context of the game of golf. You were the media director for the Atlanta Georgia Pacific Golf Classic, and I assumed that you were a media guy, not a golfer guy. As it turns out, you were both. <laughs> and you, at that time, uh, something... I never was privileged to see, but for listeners who aren't familiar with the way that golf tournaments are run, there's often a media day that precedes the tournament itself. It's maybe a month out from the tournament. There was a media day associated with the uh, the Georgia Pacific Golf Classic, and on that day, there was, along with a a, a tournament uh, involving, you know, play on the course, there was a long drive competition. Now, you must have hit some balls in that competition yourself, and you may have hit the longest balls. Is that possible? Um, to be honest with you, I don't remember that aspect of Media Day. Um I'm sure there was. We probably had closest to the pins on all the par threes, and I'm sure uh, we had a, a, the defending champion there, generally speaking, who would uh, make a little presentation and answer questions. Uh, if there was a long drive thing, I generally considered myself to not be eligible to win any of those uh, ancillary prizes, which I, I didn't think would be fair. I, I was thinking you, get, you would be get out there just for fun, uh, and, and maybe even not take the time for the the the, uh, the course play, but uh, wouldn't take much time to go out and hit a few balls a long distance. Anyway, it would have been an opportunity to see you hit some long balls, and uh, you know, admittedly, there's something uh, majestic about a long ball. Uh, whenever you play in a foursome and you don't know anyone, uh, people are watching to see who's the, the long ball hitter. Uh, and then if it's in a, a competitive situation, uh, you will, uh, of course, let that person, uh, uh, well, I guess you don't have to let that person lead off the tee, but it's always fun 
uh, whenever everyone's hit relatively safe to let that guy uh, or woman uh, rip it, uh, grip it and rip it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into hitting the ball long in, in, in uh, a few minutes, but I want you to tell us a little bit about your background as a golfer. Uh, when, did, when did you begin playing? Uh, how did you learn to play the game of golf? Did you play competitively? Uh, who were some of the coaches along the way that may have been instrumental in shaping your game? And uh, did you take a shot at becoming a pro? And we'll take those one by one. When, when did you uh, begin playing? Well, I, I was a baseball player as a kid, and uh, one of my teammates played golf. And uh, at the age of 14, I think I went out and attempted to play with him one day and I've always thought I wish I had video of that first experience so I could see how incredibly bad I was but uh, I immediately fell in love and within probably 15 months and this is this is in upstate New York where the golf season's like a week and a half within 15 months I had broken 80 but that was a combination of probably a little bit of innate ability and then um, just a a passion for getting better a little bit of guidance from an instructor up there but I I mainly consider myself to be self-taught I like a lot of people today I looked at books and watched people on television and and, uh, just tried to get better but I worked at it trial and error you know uh, it may seem obvious, but uh, I'm going to make the observation anyway. Um, a lot of baseball players who learn to put their bat on a ball, uh, who learn to have the discipline, uh, uh, cultivate better and better eye-hand coordination, um, some of those skills translate into striking a golf ball. Completely and totally. And you could probably throw tennis into that, even something like lacrosse. And probably three or four times a year, uh, Ron, I'll have a former baseball player come for lessons, and they'll say to me right out of the gate, I'm not very good at golf because I used to play baseball. And when I hear that, I almost want to run in the other direction because they just don't understand how similar the, the motions are. They're just You're just swinging on a different plane. Well, and not only that, but uh, when it comes to tennis, uh, uh, lacrosse, uh, ice hockey, um, and baseball, the object is moving. You know, it, it, it's uh, part of the uh, illusion uh, about the ease of golf is that it's a stationary object. Uh, therein lies the... Uh, the trickery, it's not moving, but it's a long way from your eye. And you have the club, which becomes an extension of your arm. And uh, the manner in which you strike that ball uh, can either uh, propel it uh, somewhat straight and, and, and for a distance, or you can just whack it into the bushes. Uh, and um, so that the biomechanics associated with the club head and the way that uh, it's uh, making contact and the way that you uh, utilize your body in the swinging motion uh, is similar to all those sports, but it's a smaller ball, and if you don't strike it right, it can have uh, disastrous effects in terms of uh, not going straight or not going very far or you're not making contact. So uh, 
Uh, yeah, the the skills translate, but I could see why a lot of athletes uh, in other sports, particularly the eye hand uh, coordination where it involves uh, striking a, a, a ball, um, would uh, would need to be in some sense uh, reoriented toward uh, toward uh, hitting uh, hitting the ball, hitting a, a small stationary object. Were there times uh, did did you play competitively in high school? Yeah, I I played uh, three years of high school and then uh, I played my freshman year on the freshman team at the University of Florida and then for family reasons I needed to move back to my hometown of Ithaca, New York and then I played three years at uh, Ithaca College and uh, was captain of the team my last two years and uh, played pretty well at that level but um, I, I was not a threat to, uh, to to play on the PGA Tour. I was a, I was a good player, but not at that level. Did you have uh, at any point aspirations, as any kid might, uh, 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 that you could eventually? I think when I went to, F- I, I had aspirations like that. I think when I went to Florida that one year and and saw the level of play down there i i kind of realized that i was maybe you know just a little bit out of my league and then there was a guy that i played against in college who was he was a freshman when i was a senior and we played against each other in my last uh competitive event which was in the fall and uh, it was played in a snowstorm in uh, in Colgate at Colgate, and uh, I shot in in it was it literally was snowing all day. The wind was blowing the snow sideways. I shot eighty, and the guys I was playing with said, um, "If you don't win today, we will be shot." And we got done, and there was a seventy-four on the board and I'd never heard of the person before but his name was Wayne Levy he ended up winning the Georgia Pacific Atlanta Golf Classic twice and he also had 11 other PGA Tour wins so uh, you know I was not at that level and I, I realized that well that might have been a fluke and maybe uh, if you had decided that I can catch this Wayne Levy guy uh, eventually things could have changed, although that's easier said than done because it's a game <laughs> that takes um, thousands and thousands of uh, swings and strokes uh, to cultivate a, a consistent game, isn't it? Well, first of all, it's not a game of consistency. Even even the greatest players in the world are, are not consistent. I often use a, a tale of a guy... A guy named Fred Funk, you may know that name. One year at the uh, Atlanta Classic, he shot 142 the first two rounds and made the cut on the number, but it was 62 in the first round and 80 in the second round. So when you're playing at that level and there's an 18-shot difference between Thursday and Friday, we're not designed to play this game consistently. Well. When I say consistently, I mean that in a relative sense because like all sports, wherever you have statistics, you want to gravitate toward winning more often, hitting with greater distance more often, hitting it straight more often, putting, uh, you know, uh, fewer and fewer strokes more often. So I I know it's completely uh, relevant to uh, um, how you perform 
day in and day out in the field of competition as well. Um, uh, because you might not feel like you're playing all that bad, but if there are a few players playing great ahead of you, um, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't matter that... Uh, well, we all have situations where we come up with a, a certain swing key um, on a given day, and it God, it just works fantastically, and we go out and play as well as we think we can. And we come back the next day, and that same swing key does not work at all. Johnny Miller, who whose name most golfers would know, won two majors and now is a broadcaster for NBC. He used to call those wood keys, W-O-O-D, and not as in driver, but it was an acronym for works only one day. And uh, we've all gone through that. We've all gone through uh, an idea or a thought that just worked miracles and then uh, never to be heard from again. Um, you said stroke key. Swing explain, key. Yeah. Swing, tell us. Explain that term. Well, it, it would just be a thought. Do I start with uh, my hands going back? Do I start with turning my left shoulder behind my chin? Do How much weight do I get to my right side? Uh, at what point do I begin my downswing? You know, there's a million different swing keys that, that people might have. And some, you know, sometimes you'll... You'll throw it away, put it on the back burner, and then two months later you might revisit it, revisit it and it would work wonders again. But no swing keys are last forever. It just doesn't happen. You know, you made you made the reference initially uh, uh, as if to imply, or at least the way that you stated it, uh, there might be one key that you're focusing on, which you would which you would do at any one time, focus on one key. But in the course of a, uh, let's say, a competitive play, um, might you summon up uh, several different keys and uh, try to uh, put the one key on autopilot, if you will, and uh, the next uh, uh, key uh, work on that in the course of the uh, the tournament? And if that feels like it's... Uh, working, put that on autopilot. And I'm going to let you answer that question right after this break. We're here with John Marshall of John Marshall Golf. We've been talking about what it takes to become a better golfer, and we'll learn more about that with John right after this break. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. 
Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with John Marshall of John Marshall Golf. John is an an instructor who works with golfers, uh, some of whom are seasoned uh, golfers and others of whom are novices, to help them uh, improve their game by improving the biomechanics of the game as well as some other aspects. But before the break, we were talking about uh, keys, and uh, they are keys or aspects of the game, and it could involve some very specific uh, mechanical um, uh, dimension. And again, you had mentioned it in terms of you might zero in on a key, and that might be working for you at one moment, and you implied that it could be not working for you at all in another moment, um, and that there were so many different keys that you could zero in on on, on a given uh, day, even in a practice session or a competitive situation. Um, how do you approach that with uh, your students, John? Do you teach them to only zero in on uh, one aspect of their game to focus on uh, that you might be part of a lesson that you had uh, uh, imparted and if that's working to move on to another and if that's working to move on to another or what happens when that focus on that key uh, is uh, not working do you you have them work at it harder how do you approach that uh, and these all fall into the the context of concentration um, and then overall discipline how do you deal with all that ultimately uh, if I have a student for a long period of time and, and a lot of mine are I want to teach them to be their best coach and uh, what is golf it, it's getting the ball in the hole in the in the fewest strokes but we do that by hitting quality golf shots and the, the best players are ones who can look at ball flight, whether it's going right, going left, going high, going low, and almost immediately determine why those things are happening if the ball flight is not exactly what they're looking for. And because you've, you've taught them. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, you, uh, you've actually uh, immediately upon a striking the ball, uh, if it's going high, you say this is, you know, how we affected that or this is why that happened without getting overly technical if somebody's hitting the ball to a right-handed player hitting the ball to the right all day um the club face is open no matter no matter what they say or what i say the club face is open um ball flight is determined and i don't want again don't want to get too technical but it's determined by club face angle at impact and path of club coming in to the golf ball and, and I kind of alluded to the fact that that's what makes this game uh, different than some of those other eye contact, uh, eye-hand coordination sports. Uh, the angle upon impact is so critical. Totally. That it can send the ball uh, in, in so many different directions that, other than the one you want it to go in, which is generally straight. Uh, 
And uh, while we were talking about other sports, Ron, I, I was going to bring up the uh, the serve in tennis because it's re- of all the the ball uh, stick sports, the serve is the only thing that really is applicable to golf because you're having to initiate the action. In baseball, you're reacting to a pitch. In the rest of tennis, you're reacting with your forehand or backhand to a ball that's moving. So you're not really thinking about mechanics, but with the serve, you are. That's right. Those are the mechanics that you can most uh, effectively control. Control. Even though the object is moving technically at the point of impact, it's uh, moving so much slower. And in many cases, uh, there are some instructors who teach a method of hitting the ball at its highest point when it's reversing direction so it's almost still. Uh, not many players do that. Uh, yeah. Some of them are catching it on uh, yeah, the downward uh, path. But uh, uh, I, for one, had a serving lesson once from a, the infamous guy who had a low toss, Roscoe Tanner, and his approach was to uh, hit the ball at its apex and it would be relatively stationary. And that would allow you to have um, an a, a biomechanical mo- approach that was more consistent once you'd learn to toss it to a, a, a more or less a given height, and that height would be your outstretched racket. And so um, I have often shared with uh, friends, yeah, me, uh, a, a lonely hack tennis player, um, that if I saw someone and they their ball tosses everywhere, I said, well, for a while, why don't you outstretch your racket and toss it to that spot, or maybe just a little above, but have that. Because otherwise, the sky is the limit um, yeah. uh, for the toss. Yeah. Uh, with the with the golf ball, uh, uh, w- and we can talk about some of the the biomechanics uh, specifically uh, whenever you'd like, John. Just break into as as a technical a description uh, for a a, a given uh, technique. But let's start with talking about the range of instruction. You know, how would you characterize when and and by the way, listeners can go to www.jrlongdrive.com. Actually, J.M. Longdrive. Ah. As in uh, yeah. John Marshall. Uh, yes, and uh, shame on me. That uh, is a typo. Uh, jmlongdrive.com. And you can uh, follow along and you can see uh, J- John's website is very informative about what you can uh, what you can learn from John. But tell us, John, what what that range is. Uh, where do you? What is that range uh, of of techniques that you teach? Uh, of philosophy to the game that you might teach? Of um, how it differs from a, an experienced player to a, uh, a beginner? Uh, do you get very many beginners for which you, it's a blank slate and you get to? teach the fundamentals in probably the best way. Um, tell us about that. Well, I already alluded to the fact that my my actual golf career was not extraordinary. But um, later in life, I started competing in long drive um, and actually was, was pretty good at that. Made it to the world long drive finals uh, five times. So my marketing approach is to hit the golf ball further. But I basically 
help people play the game better. And I love working with extraordinarily good players because they basically understand pretty much everything I'm saying. But I also love working, as you put it, with total beginners because they are a, a, a piece of clay right here that you can you can mold properly and get them started correctly. And I am I think any good instructor is a huge believer in pre-swing fundamentals, and by that I mean grip, posture, alignment, and ball position. And no one can swing the club perfectly every time, but the worst athlete on planet Earth can set up perfectly every time. And if they do, they've got a fighting chance to be a, a pretty good player, no matter what their skill level is. Yeah, uh, Tiger Woods uh, says that posture is the most important thing. Huge, yeah. huge, absolutely. So, um, but but grip uh, is, is probably first and foremost because I already alluded to the fact that the golf ball goes where the club face tells it to, and the club face goes where our hands tell it to. So if our hands are on the club perfectly, there's a pretty good chance the club face is going to come back to where it started. Right. If you can make that club an extension of your arms and your hands, uh, there's a better chance that your eye-hand coordination um, will allow you to instinctively uh, hit it where you want it to go. Exactly. But those are, we're talking about micrometers. Uh, We're talking about teeny tiny differences in in the angle of, of that club face. Um, let's let's go back to uh, uh, the neophyte. Do you get many young kids? I would think that uh, a lot of parents would love to have their uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds, twelve year olds. Uh, do you get many uh, kids? I, I do. Um, I, I teach a lot of young kids, and you know, all all kids are different. Some kids at at six have a certain maturity level where they can completely and totally focus for an hour. Others uh, might take a little bit longer. Um, when I'm te- teaching with the kids, especially ones that are not terribly experienced, my only goal with the younger kids is when they leave the session and they hear the word golf, if they equate that with the word fun, then I have I have succeeded in my task. If they think, well, this is drudgery, I don't want to do this again, then I have failed miserably. And, and that's true for so many things. Uh, if you're turned off and you don't yeah. have a good time. Um, uh, I think I'll it's true with adults as well because I like to think one of my strengths as a teacher is I'm an encourager and a complimenter and I think people leave feeling good about what they've accomplished generally. Well, and uh, you know, the uh, practice uh with an instrument comes to mind. It's also true, uh, and that's why it's quite amazing that some kids uh, should come away uh, not feeling very good. They didn't make a very good sound coming out of their instrument, or couldn't hit the piano keys quite right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yet, uh, uh, there's those uh, few that have that sense of discipline to come back in the face of uh, seeming fa- uh, uh, failure. I-, I would think. That along with fun, fun, fun means uh, having a, a certain amount of effectiveness. Like a kid seeing that they could hit the ball, uh, either relatively straight. Uh, of course, most kids, uh, both w- when it comes to golf and tennis, like to whack it, and so a little bit of distance probably makes some kids feel like 
they've achieved something. But I would also think that uh, even though you probably like to shoot for an hour, if you could only get a kid for a half an hour, that in uh, two or three or four lessons, a kid comes out way ahead of any kid who's learning from their dad who under, or mom who understands some of the fundamentals. But what you can teach a kid in three or four lessons, I would think, would be a tremendous foundation that they can build on. Well, as you can well imagine, a lot of kids don't want to listen to their parents. And a lot of parents realize that, and they feel like that uh, uh, their child is, is best off being in the hands of someone who knows exactly what they're doing. Because, Ron, so many times when I'm teaching, I hear there's people next to me um, maybe um, helping a friend, and some of the things that I hear, I think to myself, this is setting this person back a million years, and they're never going to be able to play well if they keep doing what they're being told to do. So, What are some of those common mistakes? Uh, the classic, all-time classic in golf instruction is keep your head down. Um, we don't want to keep our head down. We want to keep our head rotating as we swing through the ball because if we keep it down and stare at the ground forever, it diminishes our ro- the rotation of our body, which is where power comes from. And eventually, if you kept doing that, it would hurt your back. But that's the all-time classic in golf instruction. You know, that was my instinctive perception, and I, I have never heard uh, someone tell me that uh, it was... Uh, so you realized that that was not a good thing to do? It just didn't feel right. It just didn't yeah. feel right. Uh, you know, on impact, but after that, your your head should flow because your body follows your head uh, in every sport. We're here with John Marshall. We're going to be taking a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about lots of other aspects of... The game of golf and the instruction for improving one's game um, right after this break. Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you've probably noticed that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you're able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment. The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will likely continue to rise while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. We are committed to working with you, and we specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage, and we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with John Marshall of John Marshall Golf, who is an instructor that works with novices and seasoned, uh, experienced golfers uh, who want to improve their game. I would imagine uh, you cover many more of the fundamentals with uh, uh, younger uh, students, but also uh, there are some adults, I'm certain, who can benefit from reviewing and learning uh, new, correct fundamentals. But there are probably also some golfers who come to you who have pretty good games overall, and they just want to learn how to drive better. Is that true? Um, to a great extent, that's that's a pretty good size uh, part of my uh, customer base. But as you well know, in, in any sport, but maybe especially golf, your level of play is not a plateau. It's, it's peaks and valleys. And the best players on the planet go into valleys, and they can't figure out how to get out of the valleys. And that's, that's why so many PGA Tour players have teachers hanging over their shoulders at uh, tour events every week. Well, you know, we hopefully before the uh, end of the hour, we're going to get into the uh, psychosocial dimensions of the game, or at least the psychological dimensions, uh, as well as having you share some philosophies of the game. Um, but let's continue along this track of <clears throat> learning the fundamentals uh, of, um, before the break, we were talking about uh uh, what goes into uh, eye-hand coordination. And you, during that break, you mentioned uh, uh, kind of the world's worst uh, development in, I guess it would be the marriage of media and sports, uh, or, or at least as far as instruction is concerned. So tell us about that. I think this happened probably back in the 1920s, but some enterprising person invented a camera that could take sequential photographs and so many people they they look at golf digest or golf magazine um and see these these great sequential photographs of tiger woods or jack nicholas or dustin johnson and they see a series of positions but the golf swing is a is a movement it's not a series of positions and i could elaborate on this to to a, a greater length, but I'd probably put everybody to sleep. But trying to get into certain positions uh, have ruined the golf swings of lots of people, I'm sure. So you would recommend that um, maybe a video would well, be Well, in, to, in today's world, Ron, obviously with, with YouTube, and y- you, can, you can look at motions, but then, of course stop that motion and see where they actually are but there has to be an understanding that the golf swing is a motion and not a not a series of positions do you uh, videotape your any of your students all of my students even even the younger ones even the six and seven year olds i use video because i think they might think it's fun and they've never seen themselves but and it's not only for it's not only for the the help of the student um the golf swing happens very quickly. I mean, it's it's a second and a half uh, activity, and without video, I, I'm I'm the first one to admit sometimes I might see uh, miss something with my with my eyes that uh, 
that I can see in video. So always use always use video. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would think that it's. Uh, changed the game significantly once people could see you had a feedback loop that where you could see what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right and how to avoid what you're doing wrong and how to reinforce uh what you're doing correctly um what about uh and and we can come back to to technique and techniques plural um but what about the uh, larger Game, uh, the 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 dimension which gets into course management, and maybe we're going to cross over into the psychology or the philosophy um, because there's no strict delineation here. Um, but um, what about the larger game of golf? When you're working with someone who ostensibly comes to you to to have a improve their drive with greater distance. Uh, you alluded to the fact that they're, they might be going through a, a, a period where um, maybe nothing's working for them. Um, and so you're really kind of improving their overall game. And, 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 um, uh, and from that point, do you cross over into sharing with them your philosophy and your approach to managing their game and uh, the bigger picture? Um. Very good question, and I do a lot of playing lessons where we actually go out on the golf course so I can look at the totality of what someone is doing and seeing where their weakness are, uh, weaknesses are, their holes, and where their strengths are, and then give them a plan to improve those weaknesses while maintaining the strengths. One thing I've discovered over the years in teaching is that uh, there's a big difference between right-brain golfers and left-brain golfers. There was a great instructor in Austin, Texas, who wrote the Little Red Book named Harvey Penick. Ben Crenshaw and Tom Kite grew up taking lessons from Harvey. And Harvey said in the Little Red Book that he had to make Tom Kite go to the golf course and he had to make Ben Crenshaw go to the range. Ben Crenshaw was a right-brained, creative-type person who felt things. Tom Kite was very mechanical and wanted to be in positions and wanted to perfect a golf swing, which unfortunately is imperfectible. But there's a lot of people. I see a lot of people where I teach that never go near a golf course. They're just trying to perfect a golf swing, and they enjoy the the challenge and the, the journey of hitting quality golf shots more than they do playing the game. And that's fine. You know, we had, uh, it's interesting, uh, you've introduced this left brain, right brain uh, notion, uh, and uh, that also applies to so many other disciplines where someone is more intuitive and creative in their style and they've managed to succeed in in, in that approach, uh, or they uh, are uh, more disciplined and more mechanical uh, in their approach to to the game, and you can certainly benefit by uh, crossing over and having a a better uh, facility uh, to to using both to your advantage if you have someone who can help you out uh, uh, to learn to uh, be both left and right brain or achieve a a better balance. Um, What about... um, Analyzing. Uh, let's talk about uh, where do you begin? Do you just uh, say, 
let me watch you hit the ball and and what club do you uh, do you start with? Oh, I always have students start with something short because the golf swing is a you know it's a fairly intense activity, and especially with older people. And I teach a lot of older people. You don't want to pull out a driver and start wailing on drivers trying to hit it 380 when you're not warmed up. So if you go to a PGA Tour event, those guys always always start with little 40 yard pitches and then work up through the bag till they're hitting drivers 20 to 30 minutes later. So always have students, I always have students start with uh, short clubs and then work up. It's not only the perfect warm-up for your uh, neuromuscular um, motion, but also for eye-hand coordination. You know, I, I think uh, to start off uh, hitting um, uh, a gentler uh, swing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now Tom Watson had has an interesting approach to this. I've never actually seen him do it, but I've re- I've read about it. He pulls a three iron out of the bag, which arguably is probably the most difficult club to hit, and that's the first swing he makes. And he says, "If I hit it perfectly, I know it's going to be a good day. If I don't hit it well, I just think, well, it's the hardest club to hit in the bag, so no big deal." That that's not an approach I recommend, <laughs> but it works. No, for but him. you could imagine how that could work for him, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, if it's working, you're not going to have to make many adjustments. No, uh, probably to the rest of uh, your your swings. Uh, and, but if it's not, yeah, and I think he's. I think he might be tend to be a little bit of a right brain player. He's not a guy that uh, spends a trillion hours practicing. He's more creative i've got a student in la that I, I love working with he's he's fairly talented but he's a he's a writer he's extraordinarily right-brained uh, very creative every other time he plays he takes the odd number irons or the even numbered irons out of the bag and he just creates shots he might his five iron distance would be normally about 180 he might take a five iron and try to curve it 30 yards and hit it 140 just because he can and because he enjoys doing that. But there aren't there aren't a lot of people like that. When I first met you, you were um, the media director, and we said this at the top of the show, for the uh, Georgia Pacific Atlanta Golf Classic. How did that happen? How did that come about? Um... I started my own PR and marketing firm back in the early '80s, and I wanted to be—I wanted it to be golf-related. And that situation kind of, sort of, fell into my lap. But I was also doing work for um, equipment companies and resorts, and I was writing uh, travel golf-related travel stuff for Golf Digest, and I was organizing and managing corporate golf outings. I was doing all kinds of stuff golf-related. And uh, I mentioned to you the other day that I have a friend who, um, a few years ago after I'd been teaching for quite a while, said, "You've, you've reinvented yourself many times, but the common theme has always been golf. And it's probably a good description of my, my work life. And I'm happy about that. Okay, well, I'm going to have you answer the question about uh, 
uh, how you've managed to do that or why you've managed to do that. But before I do that, I, I, I would be remiss. I, I wanted to explain that uh, not only have you been nominated as one of the uh, leading instructors uh, in Georgia by Golf Digest magazine, but you're you're one of just five Golf Channel Swing Fix instructors, which is a prestigious group, uh, and and so you were selected to teach at the uh, Tour Championship. You're a two-time American Long Drivers Association Super Senior National Champion and the five-time Remax World Long Drive and a five-time uh, Remax World Long Drive finalist. Um, did this happen after I met you, uh, during the time that I met you? Uh, and, and we're going to hold for uh, a moment to take a break. When we come back, uh, I want you to uh, tell me chronologically when that all uh, fit okay. in and, and then uh, why golf has remained at the core of what you do. We're here with John Marshall, and we'll be talking more about the game of golf when we come back. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use the -the state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with John Marshall of John Marshall Golf, and we've been talking about different aspects of the game. John is an instructor who will help people not only learn how to hit further and straighter, but we've talked about various aspects of the game, which include uh, 
course management and, and how John will play with you to help you cultivate um, more of your strengths uh, to improve your game, cut some strokes uh, off the game. Uh, and before the break, we were talking about uh, how uh, John had integrated his media career with his love and passion for the game of golf and I asked you did you uh, achieve these long drive um, uh, high caliber uh, achievements following the time that I, I, I met you some 30 years ago um, and you nodded yes and I wanted to a- have you share with the audience well what did you learn did, did you just learn that you innately had uh, a, a, um, a skill set uh, or a skill to, to to drive the ball along, or did you pick up some specific uh, instruction from from one or more people who helped you uh, cultivate the right biomechanics? Well, I think in the course of of playing the game most of my life, I, I was always fairly long. But um, Christmas of two thousand two. I was a religious watcher of the Remax World Long Drive Championship, which was on, I guess, Golf Channel or ESPN or something. And during that telecast, they announced they were going to have a super senior division beginning the next year for older guys like myself. And I got so excited, and I, I just said to myself, I'm going to do this. I had gone to a Remax qualifier just for laughs, couple of years before a local qualifier and and won but i just looked at it as kind of a fluke and i didn't go any further well back in florida and and at ithaca college did you hit a long ball were you oh i was yeah i was always long i was usually longer than pretty much all the people i played with so i knew the the ability was there and going back to when you hadn't received any instruction because you said you were primarily self self-taught did you were you a long bar hitter then? Yeah, even in high school, um, you know, the equipment back then was <laughs> infinitely inferior to what it is now. But I probably hit the wooden drivers and the balata balls two seventy when I was in high school, maybe a little bit longer in, in college. And you know, competitive golf. You've, you've heard the term drive for show and putt for dough there's that's another amazing fallacy like keeping your head down if you don't hit the ball a long way you have no chance of competing at a high level i'm not talking about long drive i'm talking about golf at the highest levels college coaches when they're recruiting one of the first things they look at is how far does this person hit the golf ball, and and with more than one club. I mean, with more than oh, the driver, sure. right? Yeah. Uh, because yeah. the the middle game and you know hitting it you know, long on the fairways and yeah, and even uh, pitching with some distance wouldn't would that be a factor? I mean, well, if you think if you think let's say for example you hit the ball three hundred yards off the tee and I hit it two sixty and we're playing against each other. I'm coming into a green with a six iron or a five iron. You're coming into the green with a pitching wedge. Your ball flight is going to be higher. It's going to come down uh, vertically. It's going to stop in a hurry. You can get closer to the hole than I can with a five iron. So distance is huge, huge in, uh, importance. 
What uh, what what one or two things biomechanically, uh, along with your innate um, skill, uh, would you say helped uh, you become an even better lo- uh, driver? Well, when I got involved in long drive, which is was two thousand three. Um, in, in competitive long drive at that time, you got six balls. You were hitting essentially into a, a grid, just like a football field, 10-yard increments and about 50 yards wide. And you had six balls, and you had to get one in. That's all that counted. You didn't have to get six in, just one in. So your approach to swinging the club is a tad bit more reckless because you're trying to create as much speed as you possibly can. You want to be biomechanically efficient, but um, my long drive swing and my golf swing were, you know, not exactly identical. Well, <clears throat> we're we're um, we're an audio medium, so we're a little bit of a disadvantage, and you can't stand and uh, uh, demonstrate for us with a club in in hand. But tell us about how the swing plane and how the position of the hips and shoulders uh, can really influence. Uh, uh, your your overall ability to have an effective uh, swing. I like to, rather than talking about plane, I like to think about path of club head coming into the golf ball, and it should come in from slightly inside the, the target line and then to square at impact and then back to the inside. So we're swinging in an arc because our body is rotating in both directions. Um, and there's a buzz term in... In, in golf nowadays that's also a buzz term in, in baseball hitting and pitching, pitching and it's called sequencing. Same thing, uh, another, another good example is the javelin throw. We're, we're using the lower body starts, the, the action followed by the torso, followed by the arms, followed by the golf club or the javelin or the baseball or the baseball bat. All about sequencing and moving efficiently and there's so much technology nowadays in golf instruction that can very quickly analyze if someone is is sequencing properly and getting the most efficiency out of their their golf swing you know i can't believe we're uh, approaching the end of the program john but you know much of this program is is sharing with listeners how folks have managed to achieve some measure of balance uh, in their life by uh, taking interest and aptitudes and 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 and, and balancing that that out with uh, uh, passions and aptitudes uh, or, or or hobbies, uh, things that they love to do. Uh, you obviously have loved the game of golf and you've kept it as a a core element in your life. Uh, how conscious has that been? And are there times when you realized, oh, unconsciously, I'm doing this? Because I just want to keep uh, golf in the... What I do realize consciously a lot is how fortunate I've been to have been doing stuff that I love for my whole life, really, because how many people can say that? You and I, not everybody. So I'm, I, am, I am very blessed and uh, love teaching, love helping people, and uh, I hope I can keep doing it for much longer. Well, you know, um, for a lot of us that have been in the, the media field, uh, in public relations, corporate communications, marketing communications, advertising, uh, broadcasting, whatever, uh, you know, 
we gravitated in that direction in many cases because we like juggling diversity. You know, uh, the whole world is 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 your syllabus. Uh, yeah, and, and maybe we all have ADD, and we wanted uh, to uh, diffuse our, uh, our our focus into many different subject matters for which we could have a little focus along the way. Uh, but but then uh, adding this thing that has remained a passion uh, and combining that with uh, media uh, has been a really nice balance for you. Yeah, well, the, the media uh, ended years ago. But um, the teaching has been going on for 15 years now, and it'll keep going on until I drop, probably. Yeah, in some not, sense. no heavy lifting involved. Well, in some sense, uh, some instructors, uh, there's a, a media aspect to teaching, almost, even without the video. Well, that's, that's, that's a good comment. Communication. I, communication is what it's all about. And if, no matter if you could have the greatest amount of knowledge in the world, and if you can't communicate it properly, it's not going to work. Yeah, I would imagine that your communication skills have served you well. Uh, the whole time I've known you, you've uh, been very verbally uh, articulate, maybe even eloquent at times. <laughs> You're and stretching I, the truth now, right? Uh, uh, no, there's, that's no stretch of the truth, and I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to come on to the business hour. Thank you uh, so much for having me. It's been fun to, uh, to talk about my, uh, my life in golf. Well, you've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 on Fridays. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio. (laughs) Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Elena George. Join me Wednesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. for Medicine on Call, a show dedicated to exploring the medical, social, and political aspects of our health care system in order to find solutions. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Dr. Elena George. Join me Wednesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. for Medicine on Call, a show dedicated to exploring the medical, social, and political aspects of our health care system in order to find solutions. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, 
and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the Americas Broadcast Network.com. Thank you for listening. This power. Mr.